Welcome to I Love My HBCU Question Mark, the podcast where we express our undeniable love for HBCUs, but where we are also not afraid to address a few tough questions. So, sit back, learn a little, love a lot, and rep your HBCU. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of I Love My HBCU Question Mark. I have Kyra Page on the show with me today. I'm excited to talk to her. Those of you who can only hear us, you don't get to be treated to this beautiful, beautiful head of red locks that is on Kyra Page right now. Kyra, is red your favorite color? It actually isn't. A lot okay. of people ask me that. <laughs> But my favorite color is actually like a sunset orange. So it's like very a different. Sun, do you, you see, I, I, I love, love, love people who are so good with their descriptions and their words. You didn't say orange. You said a sunset orange. Now I am going to go and look up what sunset orange looks like at some point in time. Because that sounds sexier than just saying orange is my favorite color. <laughs> it's like something about the sky, the mixture of the colors. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Well, I'm loving this red. So those who are watching us, I hope they're loving the red as well. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, okay, one more question on this hair because I'm I'm silly like that. <laughs> what made you choose this particular color this time around? It's crazy because my hair has actually been red since high school. Yes, long time. <laughs> but I felt like it contributed to my personality. I'm very free spirited. I'm very artistic. So it's like, why not show that on my on my body? Like, boom, it's in your face. I love it. <laughs> I it. absolutely love it. So I know that you are uh, taping this recording with us from the campus of Lincoln University. And you are in session currently. Um, you're back in session. Are you excited about the upcoming, um, well, about the academic year? <laughs> I definitely am excited. It's my junior year, so new experiences, new opportunities. I'm really excited. <laughs> What's your major? My major is mass communications. So that's what I say. <laughs> what do you plan on doing with mass communications? I plan on growing my business. I want to be an entrepreneur full time. So I wanted to get all the skills that I needed while I'm in school and learn as I go. So then when I come out, I'm already started. You know? Now, you know, there is a plethora of HBCU alum who have walked this path before. So I'm hoping that you are going to be doing a good job. You can network with them through us. We have a number of them appearing on the show and we can definitely make those connections for you. But I hope that you are actually going after um, those networking connections to see what are the things they did. I mean, to be very fair, just because somebody did something a certain way does not mean it's the exact same way you should do it. So that's not what I'm implying. But they might have a word or two for you with regards to, you know, that that path that they've taken that you plan on taking. Have you started garnering those contacts? Absolutely. Before before I started the brand, I was calling people all day, all night. I'm like, sorry to bother you. And then we'll have like a two hour conversation, just picking their brain. And I 
I feel like you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. Good. And that's what I do. Like once I make that connection, I'm like, are you sure you want to give me your number? Because I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it now. (laughs) And I try to, you know, stay in contact and connect with as many people as I can just because they have knowledge that I don't. And, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt. You said something that I think every single student who's listening or watching needs to pay attention to because I don't always experience it with some of my students. You you, you kind of warned them, like, are you sure you want to give me your number because I'm going to use it? And what I what I find with some, not all, but some of my students is they'll reach out to you once. And if they don't get a response, I guess that's it. As opposed to what I hope I'm hearing from you is you're going to pleasantly bother them (laughs) until you actually get a response. Because what's the worst anybody can tell you? No, I'm not interested. Or they ignore you forever. (laughs) And you kind of get the message after they ignore you forever. But not that one shot of I'm going to reach out and they don't. You've talked about this brand. What is this brand? So um, I have a brand. I started in 11th grade <laughs> and it's called Keeping It Cultured. And you got to say it with a little slang to the little. <laughs> but um, basically we're a brand and we advocate for change. We promote black positivity and we address controversial issues in the black community. We I also value it. education, empowerment and just protecting the people. Be- and- before I- I'm excited to get into my corny it's not corny let me stop corny calling it corny my starting 67 but before we get to that um i want you to give us actually a little bit more on keeping it cultured you said and i know you are spelling it with an alliteration of k's so Mm -hmm. keeping and cultured is with a k Mm -hmm. what's the most controversial issue you said that you you encourage conversations on controversial issues in the black community What's the most controversial um, issue or topic that you have kind of tackled in um, with keeping it cultured? I think one of the most, done a couple, but I think one of the most is recently affirmative action. I, I did a video on it and I was just basically saying how it affects the black community, people who are trying to seek higher education. And I got some people who were just like, well, now you have to work as hard as as us. And it's like. Excuse a me. A lot of people. Hmm? I, I, no, I literally to, to that response, I would have been like, excuse me. Now, now, now <laughs> we have to work as hard. I thought we were the Lord have mercy, the epitome of hard workers. But that it, it, the conversation wasn't with me. So ignore me. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was taken aback. I was like, I, I mean, a lot of people have a lot to say about affirmative action being put in place in general. But now that it's taken away and it's a huge conversation right now, a lot of people were feeling like it's for the better. Like now you don't have privilege or, you know, your your skin color doesn't matter is what they were saying to me. And I was just like, that, how can you think like that? You know, it was definitely probably one of the most controversial after maybe the colorism piece that we did. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely one of the top, the top controversial. Tyra, I, I wish we had all day <laughs> and I'm going to come back to the affirmative action piece. I am after the starting 67, I'm coming back to the colorism, sorry, to the affirmative action piece. The reason why I said I wish we had all day 
I love to talk about colorism. I actually do. You are a beautiful, fair-skinned Black woman. I am a gorgeous, dark-skinned Black woman. And I love getting the opportunity to have conversations about how every last one of us is so uniquely beautiful because of how different our skin tones are and that that should not privilege one over the other depending on what space that we're in. I wish, I wish that was the topic because <laughs> you can tell, you can tell I am ready to dig in, but in the, in the most pleasant of ways, I, I don't condone a negative tone with regards to that conversation because there is no better if you ask me. We're all just, Lord have mercy, look at us. Just look at us, right? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, okay. Um, so I get excited when I, when I talk about Black women and their skin tones. I really do, but Tosin, calm down. <laughs> I really want to get to the starting 67, so let's do it. Um, right. I will be asking you as many questions as possible in 67 seconds. And the time is going to start after I finish reading the first one. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do this. Describe yourself in three words. Determined, hardworking, and imaginative. I love imaginative. Oh my Lord, I love that one. I love the others too, but I love <laughs> imaginative. Um, What's the best meal at your HBCU? Fried Chicken Wednesday. Okay, Absolutely. so. <laughs> okay, so guys, my producers are on um, and we, we need to figure something out here. We need to figure out, out something we are going to do. I don't care if we ask alumni. I don't care if we ask current students. There is something going on about Fried Chicken Wednesdays. and. Okay, we need your imaginative Kyra. We need to figure something out here. We need to figure something out. What do we do with this fried chicken Wednesdays? Uh, maybe we get some branding apparel going on. Something I don't know. I don't know. But Tosin, you are running down her sixty-seven <laughs> seconds. Stop talking. Who is your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush. I would say my celebrity crush was Chadwick Boseman for his mind, for what he did for the people. I just love him as a person, as an actor. Just, yes. <laughs> rest in peace, rest in heaven, Chadwick Boseman. Um, I don't know anybody who doesn't love who he was and Great. what his memory is. I used up our time, so I'm going to take the liberty to ask you one more in the starting 67, just for any of those timekeepers that are like, wait, hold on, time's up. Uh, you are at your college graduation. Who do you want as your commencement speaker? Who would I want? I would want... One of two, either Viola Davis or Spike Lee. So mm -hmm. they may not necessarily, not necessarily, they definitely don't know about us now, but they will. <laughs> they will know about I love my HBCU question mark sooner rather than later. So if Viola Davis 
or Spike Lee gets to hear this. Kyra Page, a brilliant mass communications major at Lincoln University, is hoping and wishing that one of you <laughs> will do her the honor of being her commencement speaker at graduation May 2025, right? Yes. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's put that out there in the universe. Let's see what I, I love. Yeah, she's like all fingers crossed here. All <laughs> fingers crossed. That would be amazing. Speaking very quickly, Viola Davis's Finding Me. Have you read it? It is on my list. I have the book in my room right now. <laughs> I am pleading with you, and I'm taking liberties here. I am pleading with you to read it. Um, I was at the office uh, uh, one Monday, a few months back. I had the book in my hand. It was about 9 p.m. because I had class. I had taught class that night. So it was about 9 p.m. And I was in my office and I said, okay, Tosin, just read a couple of pages. I almost finished the book in that one night, still sitting in my office at Morgan State University. I'm not kidding. It got so good that I had to stop before I finished the book because I did not want it to end. So if you can, please read it. You'll be inspired by it. Okay. It is on my list. I'm so excited. <laughs> please read it. Please read it. Okay. Kyra, you are at Lincoln University. You are from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I, I don't want to assume because there are a couple of HBCUs in your area, but let's hear your story. I want to hear your story. How did you even decide on which college you were going to go to? And absolutely, how did you decide on, 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 on um, Lincoln University specifically? So it was actually really tough because I was graduating in the age of COVID. So I didn't really have the opportunity to go on the black college tour. And everybody talked about it, they hyped it up. It was like the black college tour, everybody needs to go. And I was so excited. And when it was my turn, COVID hit. And I was just, uh, I didn't have that opportunity, but I knew that I wanted to go to an HBCU because it's always been talked about around me. My dad went to an HBCU. We watched shows like A Different World. We watched movies like School Days. And all we saw was HBCU culture and what it was like. And I was like, I gotta be there. I have to be there. And that's when I was like, yep, when is my time to graduate? I'm going to HBCU. Now, Lincoln specifically, there's only two HBCUs in the state of Pennsylvania. So I wanted to be smart about my choice because financially you have to make sure that you're, you know, choosing a choice that isn't gonna break your pockets at least, you know, practically speaking. <laughs> so I chose Lincoln because one, they did give me the most money, but I love the, the sense of community. I took a tour and I was like, it's really nice. And this was probably my first time ever stepping on the HBCU campus. And I was just like, I love it. It's, it was smaller. So you got to connect with everybody, connect with the teachers, the administration, the student body, because it was so close knit. And I just love it. Everybody, everybody just gels here. We all have a sense of family. So I chose Lincoln for that sense of family. And, and I don't know, I just, I just love it. I love it here. <laughs> I'm smiling so hard um, for those who can't see. And um, if you've listened to a few episodes now, you, you will know why I'm smiling. The word family 
comes up so much whenever we're talking about HBCUs and the sense of family that um, that HBCUs give. Why do you think that's so important? Because every, I'm not kidding, alumni, students, that's that's the word, no matter how it's described, and believe it or not, regardless of what ethnicity I speak to, everyone settles on that word. Why is that word so prevalent in our description of, of HBCUs and that feeling that they give us? I would say like family, family is fitting because everybody is so supportive of each other. Everybody wants to see everyone win. And like when I, when I brought my brand to campus, I was so nervous, but I had people, they'll walk around miskeeping the culture and they'd be like, okay, I see you been CEO. Like, they, they just love on me and the brand so hard. And sometimes there's people on campus that I haven't met yet. And it's like, oh, I know who you are. I love it. I love the brand. What can I do? What can I do to help? And they just kind of like wrap their arms around you. And they're just so supportive. And I think when I think of family, I think of support. I think of encouragement. And I've, I've been in spaces like where you don't see your people often. I've been in those spaces a lot. And it's just something different about you seeing someone that looks like you and they just they just love on you just because just because you're you're a sister you're a brother we just it's just great i don't know i i think family is just a perfect word for an hbcu just so many ways to describe it. <laughs> so i i'm listening of course i'm listening to you and I'm I'm watching the way you describe what that sense of family means, right? And because it's the way my brain works sometimes, right? And I think I'm not I'm not speaking just for myself. I bet I'm speaking for some people watching or listening. It is such a counter image to some of the things we get to hear about quote unquote black people not always supporting each other and black people sometimes tearing each other down. But I hear, I've lived, I have felt, I've listened to the manner in which you've just described your experience that this, this little space, if we want to call it little, called HBCUs, Sure, you might find some of those things, but for the most part, what you're going to get is what you just described. And it sounds as if it is really important for you and many of us really to feel that before we get into this big world where we're not always going to feel that. And so it might actually help build a little bit more resilience for us when other things get thrown at us as opposed to the the love the support uh the feeling of community that you've just described so yeah thank you for giving that rendition of what family at hbcus uh, are like um i i joke around is it really a joke tosin i do joke around and say that i've been at my hbcu for what feels like a life sentence but something keeps me there right and it's what you've just described that keeps me there so i promised you i was coming back to the affirmative action didn't i there we mm -hmm. go there we go um 
So if you can't tell, I'm not from here, right? I, I guess I'm, I'm American. I live here, all of that stuff. But I was not raised in, in, in the US. So I wasn't always familiar with what HBCUs are. And I actually also wasn't familiar with what affirmative action is. So if you don't mind, um, especially since this is something you've tackled with keeping it cultured, first of all, give um, the listeners um, and for the benefit of those who are not quite familiar with what affirmative action is, because we all talk about it like everybody should know what it is, right? Give us what your thoughts on affirmative action is. But if you don't mind starting with what is affirmative action, and then take us to why the brouhaha was so big this year. And let's let's get into it. Go ahead. <laughs> so affirmative action, and I'm paraphrasing, it was created to give minorities an opportunity to get into what's known as PWIs, predominantly white institutions, to basically have the same opportunities as our white counterparts, um, to include race as a determining factor in the acceptance of your resume, your college application, things like that. And I would say like my thoughts on affirmative action, we live in a world where we will never be seen as equal, hmm. never be seen as sometimes even people. Hmm. We're, just, we're just not seen that way. And affirmative action was a way for us to get in those predominantly white spaces and give us a shot hmm. and to be seen as more than just these being attached to more than just slavery, being attached to more than just being in bondage and being animalistic and all the horrible negative stereotypes that people put on black people. I feel like affirmative action gave, gave us a shot. Hmm. And now that it's taken away, I, I feel like we're, going backwards. We're undoing everything that we've done to get here. And now we have to work even harder to be seen because we do, we live in a racist world. And if somebody's like, I don't want to take them, they don't have to mm. because they don't have to, they don't have to accommodate black people anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I feel like it's not fair. And I feel like it really, sets us back years, years. And I said in my video, which a lot of people found very controversial, was that, you know, is this gonna become a, is this gonna resurface segregation? And a lot of people was like, hold up, what? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, because now, you know, HBCUs were created because we weren't allowed to seek higher education in predominantly white institutions. So they made a space for us to thrive. However, you know, when we have affirmative action, we were able to get into those spaces, but now that it's gone, you have schools for black people, minorities, and then you have schools for white people. So I've had this conversation a lot with a lot of people not recorded though. <laughs> It's important to state that because when you're not recording it, they are a lot more honest. And I don't think they would say to me on air what they said to me, you know, off air. But one said something that I found interesting and I want your take on it, right? 
One of the responses that I've heard when I've brought up the whole um, affirmative action decision by the Supreme Court, um, I would say uh, early summer 2023 this year, um, was, well, hold on. Um, in a few years, we will be the majority number, at least numerically. And should we still care so much to be included in their spaces or in white spaces? And the person followed up with, for as long as they live, any child they know of or that they have will always only attend an HBCU. And the manner in which they have chosen to interpret or digest this affirmative action ruling is to consistently and continuously uplift HBCUs and the role that HBCUs play in the life of especially Black people. What's your take on that? What's your... To summarize um, their viewpoint, the person's viewpoint was, yeah, I, I don't care about being in their spaces and being accepted by them anyway. And sure, if to use your words, Kyra, if it brings about surface segregation, okay, it's it's been that anyway. So I might as well focus on this that's mine and make this even better and bigger. What's your take to, to that perspective? I 100% agree. Okay. And I say that because someone said to me that if they can take it away, it wasn't ours to begin with, you know? So we weren't, we weren't meant to be, Black people are so different. We're so unique. And we, have, we should be in spaces where that is nurtured and encouraged. And that is an HBCU. And we should push more minority kids to go to HBCUs because they will be seen, they will be accepted, they'll be understood. And they don't have to conform to fit in this society that wasn't meant for us in the, to begin with, you know? So I feel like I 100% agree that we should focus on what's ours and build it up so that, you know, when people hear a school like Lincoln or Howard or Hampton or Morgan, it's like, wow, like what? Lincoln, Janie, you know, they, they get just as excited as Yale or Harvard because these are our gems. And I, there's, there's a stereotype that says, you know, Black students shouldn't go to HBCUs because it doesn't prepare them for the real world mm. to work with our white counterparts. Mm. However, I feel like it does the opposite. Mm. Like It gives you that foundation of who you are so you have a better sense of self. So hmm. nobody can nobody can crack that. Nobody can tell you something different and you don't know who you are and you will have that HBCU foundation that's going to take you so much further, in my opinion. So I definitely believe in just focusing on what's ours and just making it ten times better, pouring back into the students, into the schools and just keep growing. HBCUs across the nation. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. I could listen to you talk all day. Um, you you have critical thought that um, I think more people should be exposed to. So um, I'm grateful that you are sharing your opinions with me um, on, on this episode. Um, things are said about HBCU students, especially the COVID generation um, of HBCU students. 
I don't think it's just HBCU students, but that's what I'm exposed to, right? And um, sometimes uh, the development that wasn't present because there wasn't exposure. You mentioned an interesting stereotype not too long ago um, about the lack of preparation. And I am going to delve into that um, in a second. But before I do, I'm curious to hear of a stereotype that you've heard of HBCUs. And I always caution that stereotypes don't have to be negative. Sometimes stereotypes are positive because whenever somebody uses that term, people's minds go immediately negative. They do not have to be. But I do want to hear you share a stereotype of HBCUs. It could be of yours. It could be of any. It could be of the collective that you've actually found to be true. That I found to be true. Yes, absolutely. Can I, can I jumpstart you with one that's going to make you smile? Absolutely. You know that stereotype that Black women are strong, Black women are sometimes hard-headed, Black women are vocal, Black women make the world go round? That's a true stereotype. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Told you it would make you smile. But I, I'd, I'd love to hear one that. about HBCUs. I'd, lo I'd love to hear what yours might be of an HBCU. A stereotype that I heard that I found to be true. And this one might make you laugh too. <laughs> That they have like <laughs> she's cheesing hard. Because like HBCUs are so funny. Like the things that you see here, they're so funny. <laughs> um I think one of the stereotypes that I've heard, yes, that I've seen in movies a lot is that like it, a lot of HBCU cafeterias, they have hot sauce and obey and seasoning salt. Immediately, a black person like what? Like hot sauce on the table? You don't gotta bring your own. Like that part. <laughs> that they that they have they have all the the seasonings that makes a black kitchen a black kitchen. <laughs> I like that. That makes a black kitchen a black kitchen. It, it reminds me. There's this guy on um on Instagram, and I apologize, gentlemen, if you end up knowing if you end up hearing this and you know who you are. I think he's Nigerian as well, or African. Again, apologies if I'm getting all of this wrong. But if I find it, Kyra, I'm going to share it with you. He goes everywhere. Oh, 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 no, no, no. It's even better than that. So he's he's traveling to he's traveling different places in Europe, right? And he says, see all these pictures where you see me cheesing and smiling? It's a lie. The food is so bland. Next time, make sure you take your seasonings with you. Because if you don't take your seasonings with you, you're just going to be smiling and cheesing at these pictures like I am. But are you really enjoying yourself? Maybe you are, but you're definitely not enjoying the food. That's what that made me think of the minute you said that. That's what that made me think of. I'm going to check now about Morgan's... Um, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, lunch area, Morgan's um, um, feeding area. And of course, I'm getting the terminology wrong because I haven't been in in a while. I wonder what spices and, and condiments are there available for our students and if they are good enough for the 
the spice palette of of our black people. I'm 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 gonna check. I I'm I'm curious. I really really am. So, um, who's the president of Lincoln University? Her name is Dr. Brenda Allen. Okay. I want you to share with the world, what is Dr. Brenda Allen doing at Lincoln University that you want to brag on that people should know about? Because most people may not necessarily know of Lincoln. They may not necessarily know what you guys are about, but I bet there's some amazing things that you guys are doing at Lincoln. What are the things that you're doing that the president is spearheading? I would say one of the big things that is an unconventional answer, but she's setting an example for Black women in power positions. We can be in power positions and do our thing, you know? <laughs> like, I, I think that when I, when I came to Lincoln and I found out we had a woman president, I was like, well, excuse me, I was, I was shocked. Cause you know, a lot of the times you hear a lot of men in these positions and not that it's super rare nowadays, it's still coming out of high school. One of the first things that I noticed. <laughs> one of the first things that I You're noticed. on campus. So we're going yes. to hear, we're going to hear campus life. We're going to hear campus noise and I'm here for it. It's okay. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, oh, people are going to be blasting music. <laughs> You're but on campus. You're going to hear it every single day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, like, her setting example for young black women that you can be in power positions, you can run a school, you can drive a really nice car and say, I work for this. And I think that's one of the biggest things that she's doing on LinkedIn right now is setting an example. I love it. I love it. I love it. I would also say what she's doing is trying to give the students a platform to be heard. Hmm. Um, there have been some some things happening on campus that happen, you know, at most most campuses, and a lot of students were angry, they were upset, and she opened her doors, and we had like a sit down where we can kind of talk to her about our issues, and just just get it out there because you know a lot of the times when you have people in those power positions, they're kind of hard to reach. I mean, you, you can't walk up to the president's office like, hey, let's let's go to lunch kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like the fact that she opened up her doors and let the students come in and talk to her. It's like, that's very personable. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives us a space to really feel heard and have our issues addressed that aren't, that might not be reaching her, that she may not know about because it's happening within the student body. So I think those are the two biggest things that I would say is happening on Lincoln's campus right now. That she's I appreciate that. I pre I, I, a I appreciate that. B I think she would appreciate hearing also that um, somebody like you actually sees her as a great example of a black woman in in power and what that modeling looks like for other black women. And um, it is brilliant to hear of a president of an institution that is making sure that their students feel heard. Feeling heard doesn't always mean that what you say is what is going to be, but just feeling heard actually matters. 
which is going to take me down just a slightly different um, turn um, um, focused on you, if that's okay. Um, I, I know I've been a, a college uh, professor now for a life sentence, like I said before. <laughs> uh, let me stop. Um, I know students gain strength um, from realizing that they're not alone in their experiences. And um, only if you're comfortable sharing, only if you're comfortable sharing. When was the last time you cried? I, I want to get a feeling response from you. When was the last time you cried? And why? What was the source of the tears? You don't have to answer. I'm just curious because I've always found that when I gather students together who feel that they're going through something alone and then they hear somebody else speak on something, oh, wait, I'm not the only one. So I don't have to bear whatever it is by myself. I always get the response that that actually helped me a whole lot more than anybody knew it would. Do you feel like sharing? Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I would say the last time I cried, maybe a couple of weeks ago, not too long ago, I would say I, I cried for a, long, a pretty long time, um, maybe a couple months. Um, I would say I cried because I was under a lot of pressure to succeed. Mm. I think like a lot of times people don't talk about the transition from being a teenager and a dependent to becoming an adult in college with a job, that transition is so jarring. And if you don't have the right support or people guiding you, which thank God I, I do, my, my family is my everything. But sometimes some things you just have to figure out on your own. And I feel like I was so stressed out because it's like, I want my business to succeed. I want to succeed in college. And you start thinking about your future. And a lot of times people tell you, you don't have to have it all figured out. And, and to some degree, that's true. You don't have to have it all figured out. But also it's like, it's unsettling sometimes to be like, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where to go from here. And it can just, sometimes it, it's just hard. And I run myself into, into the ground to make myself feel like, I'm accomplishing something. And that's when I experience burnout and then I stress and then I just kind of go down from there. Absolutely. No, I just said absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like as a college student, you want to, you want to make Dean's List and you want to graduate and you want to have an amazing career that lets you live a comfortable life. And you, you don't want to be in this box that, you don't want to be in this box that prohibits you from reaching for the stars. A lot of the times, like you get a nine to five and they say you work that nine to five until a certain age and then you don't have that much of life left to experience, which I think is a very negative way to think about the typical, I guess, American dream. But I feel like this generation wants to be outside the box and we're very innovative in doing so. As far as like entrepreneurship, that's a really big thing in this generation. 
So I feel like a lot of people around my age stress from just wanting to be successful, wanting to create generational wealth and and just being better than being better than what's expected of us. I thank you. Yeah. I do. I thank you. <laughs> I thank you for um it it's 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 jarring to me how many of you because I hear it all the time that the the biggest fear my students tell me is a fear of failure and um it sounds as if that's contributed to a lot of the pressure that you've put yourself under um that led to those tears and um you are in good company and I hope that in you knowing that you're in good company you'll also know that Failure is something that you should embrace. Failure is something that is going to happen. And you overcoming it is something that you're going to learn to celebrate and appreciate because it's going to actually give you greater resilience over time. Kyra, finish this sentence for me. In 10 years, I will. In 10 years, I will have my master's and I will be a full-time successful but still growing entrepreneur. Kyra, mm -hmm. I have enjoyed every single second of this conversation. Your smile literally can light up a room. <laughs> I wish you an amazing tenure through the rest of your time at Lincoln University. We at I Love My HBCU question mark are going to be cheering you on and we're looking forward to celebrating your commencement. Hopefully Viola Davis um, might actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we're looking forward to, to celebrating you. Um, and on that note, uh, do you have a word or a short phrase a parting word or a parting short phrase that you want to share with the audience on why you love HBCUs. Keep it short. Short word, short phrase. Why does Kyra Page love HBCUs? I love HBCUs because it is a place for us to really thrive and grow and learn. Thrive, grow, learn. That is why Kyra Page loves HBCUs. Thank you, Kyra, for this beautiful conversation. Thank you for anyone who's hearing the sound of my voice and watching us on YouTube. Thank you for tuning in to I Love My HBCU question mark. I know I've enjoyed this. I also hope you've enjoyed this. And I hope that we have earned the pleasure of you subscribing to I Love My HBCU question mark and liking this episode. So yours in HBCU love. We'll see you next episode. You've been listening to I Love My HBCU question mark. Let's keep the conversation going as we share our stories and encourage more practical support of HBCUs whilst, of course, holding each other accountable. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, love and lift your HBCU.